Today, we are talking about things that have been lost. And uh, if you could write in the comment section, I would like to know something that you've lost and you've never forgotten about it. You know, maybe it's your keys. Maybe you lost your keys once and you've never been able to find them. If this rings true for you, let me know in the comment section. Uh, for me, usually it's like tape measures. And I think I get, it's a genetic thing. I think I actually get that from my dad. Uh, my dad, he collects tape measures like they're going out of style. He actually can't help himself. If he goes to Canadian Tire and there's that big bin of orange Lufkin tape measures, he's probably going to get two or three of them on his way out just in case he happens to lose one. And I promise you he will. And I've actually inherited that trait. I lose tape measures all the time. I don't know how I could collect hundreds of them over the years and they somehow manage to get feet and walk away. Um, I actually, you know, if you heard me pre-service, we talked a little bit about the weird spooky things that we see in the Bible and, and maybe one day I'll get into a little bit of a side series on those strange things but I actually think something comes when I'm not looking and takes my tape measures away from me and I remember the tape measures that I've lost over the years and I have not forgotten them. So uh, oh Anita Killo says baby boy I, I hope that she didn't lose Okay, there we go. Lost baby boy. Morning, Lord's family. Thank you, Ian, for uh, joining in with us this morning. Uh, Anita, thank you. Great, good job there. Sharon, oh, good morning to you as well. And so if you could think of the things that you've lost and not forgotten, uh, I've definitely lost my fair share of keys. I've lost um, combinations to get into locks. I've lost all sorts of things. And you've probably been in that boat before. And when you lose something, you desperately want to get them back. You want to get those things back so badly. Uh, and you know what? Some, sometimes for me, if it's been you know my wallet or my keys, um, the first thing that I normally do is uh, after I check you know one or two spots, I give Maria a shout and say, "Honey, um, do you know where this and this thing is, or do you know where this and that thing is?" Because all of us guys, we know that we need to ask our wives where things really are, because truly they have a better handle on stuff than we normally do. That's just the reality of it. Uh, but if Maria can't find it, I know that there is definitely a problem. It's not a good situation. Tanisha, I'm sorry you lost that 20 bucks, um, but we will be praying for you. Um, so uh, <laughs> we've all lost these things. And in this passage of scripture, we're talking about the things that have been lost. And we're talking about things that have been lost but have not been forgotten. And there's three different things that we're going to touch on today. We've got the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Uh, but there is a lot that goes in here more than probably meets the eye. We've probably heard of the lost sheep and the shepherd that goes and saves the one that's been missing. We've probably heard about the lost coin, the one coin that disappeared and the house got turned over trying to find it. We've probably heard of the lost son, the prodigal son. I'm sure you've heard that story as well. Um, but the reality is, is that there is more than meets the eye when you dig into what this text is about. The reality is, is that we actually have a value. We are valuable. Believe it or not, you might not think that you are valuable. You might not think that you have a significant amount of value to yourself or to your life, or maybe you don't see or can't really reconcile the fact that, that you could have a value to anyone, but the reality is, is that you do have value. I have value. We all have value. A life is actually valuable. A life is not an accident. A life is not a mistake. A, a life is not um, uh, some weird unfolding of a series of strange events that happen to bring you to where you are today. Life has purpose to it. 
There's structure, there's order, there's intentionality behind you. You are actually built with purpose, built with function, built with intention by a God who loves you. Now, it might seem strange to you if you're tuning in and you're not really into the church thing or the God thing or the Jesus thing. And it might seem strange to you to think, well, I'm a person of science. How could I possibly have been built with intention? I thought I just showed up here and I happened to live this life and I'm going to carry on this life and do the best that I can in this life. There's actually more to it than that. And now more than ever, science actually points to that. But we're not going to get into that topic at this moment. That's a midweek discussion, and we'll dig more into that later. But I want you to know, so that you know that you know that you know that you actually have value. You actually have worth. You are actually important. But sometimes, through maybe life circumstances, or maybe some of the things, the lies that you've allowed yourself to believe over the years, maybe perhaps you devalue yourself and you don't recognize that you actually have a worth before God, the creator of everything. And it might seem sort of strange to you to really wrestle with that, but let's dig into this passage of scripture this morning and look at what some of these things mean and how they apply to our lives. So Luke chapter 15, I'm reading from the CSB, side note, If you do like studying the Bible and you're interested in growing and understanding the word of God and digging into the text and understanding what it means and kind of getting a feel for um, the historical aspect of it, the technical aspect of the writing, how it's all wildly interconnected over the course of thousands of years of writing. If you're interested in that and you want to dig into it more, I actually encourage you, if you have your regular Bible, that's good. If you want a Bible study tool, get yourself the Blue Letter Bible app. It is a great app, or you can go online and use it, Blue Letter Bible. And it has, it's a wonderful study tool that has been uh, brought together over the years by some incredible minds that really desire people to grow in understanding the Word. So Blue Letter Bible, get yourself that app and use it to dig into the Word of God. So today, Luke chapter 15, I'm reading from the CSB in the Blue Letter Bible app, and uh, we are going to take a quick look at these different parables that we have here. We have three different parables that are unfolding in Luke chapter 15, and that is the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So let's read together. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. That means they were approaching to listen to Jesus. All the tax collectors and sinners. I love that they are just lumped together in the same group, the tax collectors and the Nobody else matters. Nobody else matters. There is no one else. There's just the tax collectors and the sinners. So uh, welcome to the party. If you are a sinner, if you're alive and breathing, welcome to the party. Uh, You are lumped in with tax collectors. I'm sure many of us um, have had our moments where we feel the tax collectors are also lumped into the category of sinners. Uh, Jesus seems to think so too, because they all gather together to listen to him. And so it says this, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, this man, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So they're looking at Jesus, and Jesus is saying, come on, come on, come hang out. I've got to tell you guys a story. I have some stories to tell you, some teaching to tell you. And Jesus is welcoming all these people. He's welcoming the tax collectors. He's welcoming in the sinners. He's welcoming in the club owners. He's welcoming in the gangsters. He's welcoming in the drug dealers. He's welcoming in the prostitutes and the strippers. He's saying, come on over. Let's talk. I've got some stories to tell you. And all the, the religious leaders are like, look at this guy. What's the matter with him? He's welcoming these sinners, and he's eating with them? Jesus says this. So he told him this parable, it says. What man amongst you who's had a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he's found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. If you've never put a sheep on your shoulders, 
I encourage you to give it a try one day. It is, it is very life-giving. There's a lot that you grow in when you throw a good old little lammy over your shoulders and go for a stroll. If you haven't done it, just give it a try. I've done that with my little dog before. Maybe there's a picture. If you have a picture, put it up on the thing. Um, but yeah, throw a little sheep over your shoulder and go for a stroll. There's something empowering about it. People look at you kind of in a funny way. Uh, then they call the police on you. But anyway, so who of you has had a hundred sheep, loses one of them, and does not leave all the rest aside in an open field so that you can go and find the lost one. And when you found it, you joyfully put it on your shoulders, and you're coming home, you call to your friends and your neighbors, you get them all together saying, check it out, everybody. Look at this. I got my sheep. I found my sheep. It was lost, but now I got it back. Oh, this is so good. And Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Jesus is saying, here's the deal. There's so much value in this one little sheepy that there is joy erupting when it's found. You are a little sheepy. And sometimes you go astray, and when you're found, there is rejoicing. And Jesus is saying there is more rejoicing. And he's not talking to the tax collectors. He's not talking to the sinners. He's actually making a pointed remark at the religious leaders of the time. He's saying, guys, you're complaining about all these folks that are coming to hear me speak. You're coming and complaining about all these folks who really need salvation. And you're upset because all these strange people are hanging out with me and they're coming to learn and grow with me? What's the deal? Well, I'll tell you, here's the deal. I am excited when one of these is found because this one has a value. And that's pretty special. So imagine you are that sheep and you've gone astray. When you return, when you are found, there is rejoicing. And there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Ah, if you're doing good, well, don't complain about the others who aren't. Hmm. So that's parable number one. Number two, the lost coin. Now, Tanisha, you lost your 20 bucks. We've all lost that 20 bucks sometimes. I've lost some coins when I'm in the Tim Hortons drive-thru and I knew that they were in my cup holder before and they're not anymore and so I'm flipping up floor mats and I'm opening up the console and I know it has to be around because I gotta cover the coffee cost here. And we search and we search because we've lost those coins. Well, here's the deal. It says, what about the woman who's 10 silver coins and she loses one coin? Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully through the whole thing until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, guys, guys, come over here. You're not going to believe this. I found that silver coin that I lost. I know I told you all about it. I needed prayer. I put it on the prayer chain. I called Sally. I called Bob. I called Joe. And I said, guys, can you pray with me? I lost this coin. I need to find this coin. And she goes and she finds this coin. And she's so excited. She rejoices. And she says, rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin that I had lost. She's saying, guys, come with me. Join together. There's celebration to be had because I lost something and now I've found it. And Jesus says, "In I tell you this, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Okay, so we've got two things unfolding now that have a common theme. Something was lost and it was found and there is rejoicing. Something was lost, it was found, and there was rejoicing. A person became lost, 
a sinner was redeemed, and there was rejoicing. So that's our theme so far. So I hope you're following along with that. Let's get into number three. The third one is the parable of the lost son. Jesus goes on to say this. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So the dad distributed the assets to them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had and he traveled to a far off country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. So not only did he already have nothing because he squandered it all, he had extra nothing because he put so much value and so much stock in the things of the flesh that are just going to get eaten up and tossed aside. The country became devalued and therefore even his possessions became devalued and he had extra nothing. So then he went back to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And it says that he longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. This guy was so destitute that as he was working to try to gain even a couple of dollars to be able to go and get a meal, he knew it wasn't even going to cut it, and he just wanted to eat the slop that the pigs were getting. I've fed pigs slop. And pigs will eat anything. They'll eat anything that you give them, whether it's tin cans or pieces of, uh, you know, a dog, or maybe, I, I don't really know where that came from, but, or, or maybe it's like, you know, old moldy carrots or macaroni that's gone bad. It doesn't matter what it is. Pigs will eat anything. They'll eat anything. And this guy was willing to go that distance and just even eat the pig slop because he had nothing. He was at the end of himself. He longed to eat his fill from the pig's pig meat or pig, pig food. And then, and then when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am, I'm dying of hunger. So this guy had a moment of clarity. He's realizing, wait a second here, I have lost everything. Now, and maybe, maybe you've kind of gone through this in your life. You come to this place of realizing that you have nothing left. You've got nothing left. And you were on your high horse at some point. You had everything at your disposal. You got granted the desires of your heart. And then what happened? You squandered them. These very gifts that God had set aside for you as an inheritance, you wanted them now. And instead of taking your time to grow and to learn, you run with them and you waste them and you are left destitute in a place that's far from home interesting to see what's starting to happen here. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say to him, dad, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm a sinner in your sight. Now, not very popular terminology nowadays. We don't like to talk about saints versus sinners. We don't like to look at the reality that we have fallen short of the glory of God. We don't even like to talk about the fact that maybe we have sinned and we have actually removed ourselves from the grace and the presence of God. We sort of live in a world right now that thinks that we are entitled to the very things that are special and important and good. We're entitled to high positions. We're entitled to have authority. We're entitled to have power and things and stuff and money and riches and wealth. And it is owed to me, so give it to me now. 
But God knows when we are ready for something and when we are not. The other thing that God promises us is that he will give us the desires of our hearts. What happens when the desires of our hearts are not aligned with God? God will still grant them to us so that we will learn. And this father granted his son the desires of his heart. And the son in his immaturity and pride and ego, he went without realizing and understanding the value of the gift that his father had given him, and he wasted it all. You see, he still received the gift, he still received the inheritance, but he wasted it, and it left him destitute. You see, he eagerly wanted all the things without understanding what came along with them. It says this, I'm going to go to my father, I'm going to say to him, Dad, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please, please, just make me one of your hired workers. So he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And like, man, what's going on here? This is a bit of a change in scenery. I was not expecting this. What's going on here? What's up with this dad? The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, guys, come here quick. Come over here really, really fast. I need you to do something for me. Here's the deal. My son was dead, and he is alive again. Bring me that fattened calf and slaughter it. We want to celebrate with a feast. And they're like, what is going on here? I'm sure this son's thinking, what on earth is happening here? I don't deserve this. I don't even deserve to eat the food from the pigs. I have made a mess of my life. Every city that I've traveled to, I have squandered my life away in it. Everywhere I could go to have an opportunity for a better future, I have been foolish with it. I have wasted my money. I've wasted my resources. I have wasted my gifts. I have even thrown away the opportunity of influence that I had. I came from a place of wealth. I had a certain last name. I had specific skill sets. I had abilities and talents and gifts and goals, but I threw it all away. I am worthy of nothing. And so what happens here is there is this beautiful thing that we see unfold here in the heart of this youngest son, and it's this contrition. Now, contrition is crucial. Psalm 51 talks about that. David talks about contrition. When David went and made the decision to go and sleep with this gal that wasn't his wife, and he had the husband of this lady ended up being killed in battle, that David had orchestrated it, and then through the midst of this messy, kind of screwed up affair that they were involved in, they ended up having a baby together, and they lost the child, and David was ruined. He was ruined inside because he realized that his pride and his ego could not get him out of the mess that he has found himself in. His pride and his ego led him to a place of destruction and destitution. He was completely bankrupt and he had nothing left. And in Psalm 51, we see David having a heart of contrition. It's not just this, oh, I'm sorry, let's start fresh. 
David realized that he had made such a mess of his situation and circumstance. It had cost people their lives. It had cost people their livelihood. It had affected his reputation and his standing as a king. It had brought him brokenness upon himself. God didn't do that. David heaped it upon himself. And he came to the end of himself and realized, I can't carry on by myself anymore. I need the Lord. And the Lord ain't going to have me back until I apologize. And I can't just say, I'm sorry, can we carry on? Water under the bridge. <laughs> he was broken before God. He had a heart of contrition. A contrition, a heart of contrition or a contrite heart is, is the heart or the innermost part of a person that is broken, almost sick with grief, with understanding what they've done. It's almost like a step further than even repentance is. It's that sickening feeling that seems to come in and you realize, oh God, what have I done? And when you're in that spot, there's an option ahead of you. You can either hunker down and double down and duly invest in your own pride and ego and say, no, I'm just going to muscle through this because I've got all the answers inside. I'm just going to spend some time looking internally here and just center and get this sorted out and it's going to be okay. Or you have the option to lay down at the foot of the cross of Jesus and say, God, your ways are better than my ways. I cannot fix this mess. I need Jesus to fix this mess for me because I am not even worthy to have an audience before you. In fact, I deserve to die. Would you please have mercy on me, oh God? Would you please have, please have mercy on my life? I, I, I don't even care if I'm called one of your sons or daughters anymore. Just let me even work around you. Let me at least somehow be in your presence. I don't care about the riches or the position or the title or the opportunities anymore. I just need to at least be around you. Please, would you afford me the opportunity to at least be in your midst because I can't do this on my own anymore. I can't be alone anymore. I can't be steeping in my own pride and ego and mess anymore. I tried to find the answers internally and they have eluded me. Peace has eluded me. Joy has run far from me. I can't make these things on my own. I can't manifest them into existence. I am bankrupt and broken and I need help. And that's what we see happening with this son, he was bankrupt and broken and he needed help and he knew that what he deserved was to go to his father and say, don't even, don't even call me your son. Put me on the lowest of the low in your work crew. Please just somehow afford me the opportunity to have at least maybe a roof over my head. Let me sleep with the goats or the sheep. Anything, please. I know I'm not even worthy to be called yours. I know that I'm not even worthy to be called yours. In fact, I know that I'm worthy to be cast away from you. I, I know what I actually deserve is to be put aside. I know that I deserve to be looked over. I know that I deserve to be shunned and tossed out. I've made a mockery of you. I have made a mockery of your name. I have gone to all these towns and countries and I have said, oh, I'm so-and-so's son. Give me an opportunity. And I've wasted it. I'm sorry. 
I don't deserve to live. You see, the son had this contrition. And when he approached the driveway of his father's property, the dad saw him. He said, go, go to his servants. Go and get that big fat calf. Wagyu beef, A5 marbling. Let's get that thing cut up and roasting on the barbecue. We are going to have a party because you see that guy in the distance? That's my son. I've been waiting for him to come back. I've been waiting for him to come back. And let's celebrate. So the son told him, I've sinned against you. I've sinned in your sight. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But the father said, bring the calf. Bring the best robe. Bring the sandals. Bring the seal. Put it on his finger. Get those sandals on his feet. Cover him with this cloak. This son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. He's like, what is going on here? So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, one of the servants told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because... He is back here, safe and sound. And, and the son became angry. He didn't want to go in, so his father came out and he pleaded with him, Son, come inside. But he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years from you. I've never disobeyed you, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, that you slaughtered your fattened calf for him? Son, the dad said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Wow. Folks. Sometimes it is easy to be on our high horse. Sometimes it is easy to think that we've done nothing wrong and that everybody else has. Sometimes it's really easy to point out all the specks in everybody else's eyes and forget that we've got a giant log in our own. What I find really interesting in this is uh, a few things. When we look at the lost sheep, we see a hundred sheep and one gets lost. The sheep gets lost, the shepherd drops everything and goes after the lost sheep. The sheep is found and joy is restored, celebration ensues, and Jesus says there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Number two, in the lost coin, we see this. We see ten coins and one get lost. So the coin gets dropped. It rolls away somewhere. The woman drops everything and goes after that lost coin. The coin is found. The neighbors hear about it and joy returns. Celebration ensues. And it says this here, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Now here we have the lost son, two sons, and one gets lost. You see, the younger son, he wants all of his inheritance. He wants all the things. The younger son, he takes it all. He receives the desires of his heart that his father have, has given to him. 
And he takes these things and he travels and he wastes it. He gives away all of his gifts and he spent it all on himself. He, he didn't invest it. He didn't honor it. He didn't realize the gravity of what he was bestowed upon him. He actively made the choice to do exactly the opposite of honoring his father's gifts and inheritance. And he had squandered it all. I want you guys to realize this this morning. God has gifts for you. It's true. That is a fact. God has gifts for you. Why? Because he loves you. He has prepared something for you. In fact, Jesus is preparing a place for you right now. You're not there yet, but you will be one day. There is an inheritance for you. But the difference between the sheep and the coin versus the person is this. The sheep and the coin, they paint a really good picture of when something's lost, you go and you find it. Something different that happened with the son is this. The father never went to go and find the son. The father never sent out a search party. The father didn't go and invest all of his resources and time and effort to go and chase after his son. You see, the father gave the son exactly what the son wanted. The son wanted all of the stuff, all of the money, all the riches, all the opportunity, all the gifts, all the wealth. And he didn't want anyone to tell him what to do. He didn't want to receive instruction. He didn't want to put his pride aside and his ego aside. He wanted to do it his way. And with the sheep and the coin, we see the shepherd and the woman putting everything aside to go and chase after these things. But in this case, the father didn't. And we wonder why. God's love is deep and profound for us. Like this father's love for his son. But you see, the son had to learn something. The son had to learn that the father wasn't going anywhere. The son had to learn that the best place for him to be was with his father. The son had to learn that everything that he could ever possibly need was with his father. The son had to learn that outside of healthy instruction, healthy counsel, healthy discipline, healthy care, he was going to meet brokenness. But the son so desperately wanted the desires of his heart, yet the desires of his heart were not aligned with his father. How many times does that happen in our lives? I, I know for me, the times when I am wandering in the wilderness and I am feeling lost and desperate, I know for a fact that God has not gone anywhere. Now, when I was young and immature and goofy, I'd be like, God, you've, you've left me, you've forsaken me. Well, the only person that God left and forsook and turned his face from was actually Jesus, when Jesus took all of it upon himself on the cross. See, God does not leave or forsake. We do that. I know the times when I have been lost and broken and bankrupt in my thoughts or in my actions. God has not gone anywhere. I have run from him. And I promise you, it actually gets far worse before it gets better. 
And what's the remedy to all of this? Well, we see outlined in this scripture something very important to remember. The remedy to all of this is realizing, realizing that we need to be contrite. We must come to the place of realizing that we need to submit and surrender to our Heavenly Father. His ways are better than our ways. We actually don't have the option of having all that the Father has for us and then also retaining all the things we want for ourselves. We aren't afforded that luxury. What we are afforded is the opportunity to run to the Father or run away from the Father. But He is immovable. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're the ones that stray. Have you strayed? Maybe you're thinking, oh, I haven't strayed that far. It's no big deal. I've got a lot of leash left. There is a point when the leash gets tight. And we can either turn back or we can break free from it. We need to realize that there comes a point when we have to stop and surrender and submit to the Lord because his ways are better. And we don't want to believe that sometimes, right? Because we want to believe that our ways are better. We have all the good ideas. We all have all the best opportunities. We have all these gifts from God. We're going to use them to expand ourselves and to do all the good things and do the things we want. And we lack the opportunity. Well, we don't lack the opportunity. We lack the, lack the capacity to actually stop and surrender and say, God, do with these things what you will. Not my will, but yours be done. And I think if the son, in this case, went to his dad and said, Dad, what is the best way that I could spend my inheritance? What is the best way to use these things that you have given me? I'm sure it would not have included drugs and prostitutes and eating pig slop. In fact, this good father who has built an inheritance for his family would be able to bring his son along and instruct him and say, Son, I'm going to teach you all the things because I love you. Put aside your ideas for now. Put them aside for now. You're making ideas and you've got all these thoughts and these actions in your heart, but they're not full because you haven't grown yet. You haven't matured yet. You haven't walked in my shoes yet. Let me teach you, son. Let me instruct you, son. Let me bestow my wisdom upon you, son. Yes, you have to stop for a bit and you have to settle down and you have to reel things back. You have to Tune down that zeal a little bit and just wait because I'm going to teach you and you'll be better off for it in the long run. But often we're like this son. We're like, no, I can do it, God. I got this. I got this. I know what you've given me. I deserve it because I'm one of your kids. I got this. I'm going to go do my thing. And it leaves us broken. But I want to encourage you this morning, as this might sound quite challenging, I want to encourage you in this this morning. If you want to have a party, if you want to hear the heavens erupt with roars of joy and celebration, I want to tell you this this morning. If you have been lost and wandering in the wilderness, God has not gone anywhere. You may have traveled to a different country. You may have gone to a far off land. You may have wasted it all. But you can come back because you know where your father is. 
and he loves you. And he cares for you. And he's excited to welcome you home. So this morning, if you've been far from him, it's time to turn around and go back. It's time to turn around and go to him and repent. It's time to recognize that, yeah, you've sinned. And you've done a lot of stuff you shouldn't have done. It's time to realize that his ways are better than your ways. It's time to be embraced by your Father in heaven and know that he can take care of the mess. I don't want you to be afraid of God this morning. I don't want you to be afraid of the consequences this morning. You see, Jesus covered that cost. But what I would encourage you to do this morning is to come back from the far-off places you've been exploring and losing your life in. Come back. Go to your father and say, Dad, I need you. Heavenly Father, I need you. I've made a mess of things. I have made a mess of things. And I can't do this on my own anymore. Please, don't be ashamed to go back to God. Don't be ashamed to admit that you've messed up. Because all of us have and all of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Don't be ashamed to go to your Father in heaven and say, God, I need you. I am sorry. Would you please take me back? With him, the most exciting future awaits. And it can start today. So let's close with a word of prayer and then we'll invite the worship team to lead us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you take us and you love us and you pour into us. We also thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to be able to allow us to go and do the very things sometimes that can cause us grief. You love us enough to allow us to go and figure it out. I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to allow us to learn what it is to need you. I thank you that you don't dictate that to us. You don't pin us down and make us have to accept it. You are so loving and so gracious that you afford us these gifts and these opportunities and you allow us to run with them. Even if, even if it could be challenging sometimes. Even if it breaks your heart because you see us running from you rather than to you. But I thank you, Lord, that in your sovereignty and in your might, you wait for us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You wait for us to come back to you. We thank you that you are great and we are not. We thank you that your will and your ways are better than ours. We thank you for your open arms. We thank you that you take us in. And we thank you that there's a celebration when we repent. So search our hearts this morning. 
Show us, Lord, how we need to turn back to you. Show us the things that we've squandered, the things that we've wasted. Show us, Lord, how we have grieved your heart. Give us an understanding of how we have caused hurt and brokenness. Show us how we can repent before you, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you draw us in. And we thank you that you bring us back with open arms. We love you, Father, and we praise you this morning. We thank you for the work you're doing in people's lives right now and this week. In your name we pray. Amen.